Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at the top of the page for online edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE on the drop-down menu that appears. On that same drop-down, there's also a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society. <coughs> Excuse me. And that email contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, <coughs> from about 9.15 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading with the Principles of Miracles, and uh, we're going to, I think, just... We're going to read uh, the rest of Principle 51 and Principle 52. Oh, we're going to read straight to, we're going to complete the principles this morning. Sorry. I can't remember what numbers mean. This is what we have them mean. Okay. So, yeah, we're going to complete the Principles of Miracles this morning. Okay, and at the top of the hour, we will pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day, Lesson 10. My thoughts do not mean anything. Okay. Well, I turn to you, Lori, and ask, do you have one of your wonderful noetic openings for this call? Thanks, Lemoy. And um, for the end of principle, and of course, tomorrow, Chuck. Where she wrote this poem called The Song of Peace. Melody of Peace. Her diet. It remained. Soft. Still silent. Ageless collection in the mind that God. Ceaselessly singing to all the world. Did it remember him? Sounds of earth are quieted before this ancient melody, which speaks of love, limitless dimensions. Where is fear? God guarantee that He is here. My thoughts, Jim. Amen. Thank you, Lori.
Thank you. Thank you, Lori. <coughs> uh, Lemoyne, I didn't hear Lori's poem. Uh, it was in a very, yeah, very, very... I, I have... I agree yeah. with you. I didn't hear it either. It was too soft. Your your volume needs to be turned up. I, yeah, it was, it was cutting in and out in the beginning. I'm not sure what yeah. the issue was, but you came and came and went towards towards the I'm end. Sorry. It came a little better. Um, well, let's see here. I kind of liked it. I it was I... a period of silence broken by the word silence. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Do you want to hear it again? Sure. Give yeah, it yeah that would try. be good. It's your coming through now. Yeah. I do. Oh, I couldn't hear it. Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay. It's from Helen Shuckman and her book, The Gifts of God. And the poem is called The Song of Peace. The melody of peace is always there. It neither dies nor wavers. It remains a calm soft sound, more still than silence, and an ageless recollection in the minds that God created. Ceaselessly it sings to all the world that it remember Him. The sounds of earth are quieted before this ancient melody, which speaks of love in limitless dimensions. Where is fear when God is guaranteed that He is here? Amen. Thank you, oh, Lori. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thanks for reading that again. Well, it's a privilege yes, you guys have given me. So thank you. Yeah, thanks for repeating that, Lori. Okay, and uh, let me just go through what I've got on the list, reading list this morning. I've got um, Lori, Fran, Jennifer, Jessica, Robin Murray, Diana and Harrison may join us later. And Karen is also listening for now. Is there anyone else who's joined the call who would like to say good morning or join the reading list? Okay. Hi, Lemoyne. It's Jude. I'll be listening. Thank you, everyone. Alrighty, welcome, Jude. And uh, yeah, it's interesting when uh, the the way the the distribution of the paragraphs falls into this pattern of just doing ten at a time and starts to wander across the topics and the boundaries of, that are in the text. Uh, Lori and I had a discussion of uh, what do we do here. And uh, to try and uh, get this whole discussion of need 
I'm going to back up a little bit from where we ended yesterday to get this whole discussion in the most of principle 51 is about need. So I'm going to uh, start with something I was given. I hope it's useful. If it's not, <laughs> um, perhaps, it, you know, just I'll also read it. <clears throat> read 85 the way it's given. What I'm going to do is read 85 with uh, the word need substituted for the word time. And then I'll read it the way it's given, and then we'll go on from there with 88, 89, and so forth. Okay, so 85, as it appeared to me yesterday, was... The miracle is the only device which man has at his immediate disposal for controlling need. Only revelation transcends need, having nothing to do with need at all. My book says time. That's correct, and uh, that is uh, what I just spoke of reading that... Uh, yeah, anyway, and I think the principle okay. behind that is that we created both of those. <laughs> That's why it, it actually works that way as need. But I'll read it as given because I understand okay. that's not what was written. So I'll read it as given and then we'll go on to the reading from 88. <clears throat> okay. All right. The miracle as given, principle 51, paragraph 85, the miracle is the only device <clears throat> which man has at his immediate disposal for controlling time. Only revelation transcends time, having nothing to do with time at all. Let's skip to 88. <clears throat> Equality does not imply homogeneity now. When everyone recognizes that he has everything, Individual contributions to the sonship will no longer be necessary. When the atonement has been completed, all talents will be shared by all the sons of God. God is not partial. All his children have his total love, and all his gifts are given are freely given to all everyone alike. Okay, read that sentence again. All God's children have his total love, and all, all his gifts are freely given to everyone alike. Quote, except ye become as little children, end quote, means that unless you fully recognize your complete dependence on God, you cannot know the real power of the Son in his true relationship with the Father. And uh, let's go from there. Lori? 88, 89. Oh, do you want me to... Okie dokie. Equality does not imply homogeneity now. When everyone recognizes that he has everything, individual contributions to the sonship will no longer be necessary. When the atonement has been completed, all talents will be shared by all the sons of God. 
God is not partial. All his children have his total love, and all his gifts are freely given to everyone alike. Quote, except you become as little children, end quote, means that unless you fully recognize your complete dependence on God, you cannot know the real power of the Son in his true relationship with the Father. Eighty-nine. You who want peace can find it only by complete forgiveness. You never really wanted peace before, so there was no point in being told how to achieve it. No learning is acquired by anyone unless he wants to learn it and believes in some way that he needs it. While the concept of lack does not exist in the creation of God, it is very apparent in the creations of man. It is, in fact, the essential difference. A need implies lack by definition. It involves the recognition that you would be better off in a state which is somehow different from the one that you are in. Thank you, Lori. <clears throat> and Fran. 89. You who want peace can find it only by complete forgiveness. You never really wanted peace before, so there was no point in being told how to achieve it. No learning is acquired by anyone unless he wants to learn it and believes in some way that he needs it. While the concept of lack does not exist in the creation of God, it is very apparent in the creations of man. It is, in fact, the essential difference. A need implies lack by definition. It involves a recognition that you would be better off in a state which is somehow different from the one you are in. 90. Until the quote-unquote separation, which is a better term than the quote-unquote fall, nothing was lacking. This meant that man had no needs at all. If he had not deprived himself, he would never have experienced them. After the separation, needs became the most powerful source of motivation for human action. All behavior is essentially motivated by needs, but behavior itself is not a divine attribute. The body is a mechanism for behavior. The belief that he could be better off is the reason why man has this mechanism at his disposal. Thank you, Fran. And Jennifer. <clears throat> Until the quote-unquote separation, which is a better term than the quote-unquote fall, nothing was lacking. This meant that man had no needs at all. If he had not deprived himself, he would never have experienced them. After the separation, needs became the most powerful source of motivation for human action. All behavior is essentially motivated, motivated by needs. But behavior itself is not a divine attribute. The body is the mechanism for behavior. 
the belief that he could be off is the reason why man has this mechanism at his disposal. I'm going to read that again. The belief that he could be better off is the reason why man has this mechanism at, at his disposal. 91 paragraph. Each one acts according to the particular hierarchy of needs he establishes for himself. His hierarchy, in turn, depends on his perception of what he is. That is what he oh, lacks. Um, a sense of separation from God is the only lack he really needs to correct. This sense of separation would never have occurred if he had not distorted his perception of truth and thus perceived himself as lacking. The concept of any sort of need hierarchy arose hierarchy arose because having made this fundamental error, he had already fragmented himself into levels with different needs. Wow. As he integrates, he becomes one, and uh, he ne- his needs become one accordingly. Thank you, Jennifer and Jessica. Um, okay, uh, uh, I'm just a little bit confused because I was originally. Uh, this seems like the reading from yesterday, and I don't know if I missed some kind of explanation about that. I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, we back. I'm with you there. Mm-hmm. I tried to, I guess I muddied it up instead of making it clear, but we're trying to get the whole uh, discussion of need in one oh, day. Oh, okay. okay, that's what that So is. we backed up, and we're just All about right. to roll to new stuff. Okay. Yeah. So you want me to do 91 and then roll into the next one? That's correct. Okay. It'll just take me a second because I used the email uh, to go back to the other day. But I'll start Mm, with 90. I'm sorry. I did not think No, that's all right. As long as you can be patient with me. Yeah. Okay, 91. Each one acts according to the particular hierarchy of needs he establishes for himself. His hierarchy, in turn, depends on his perception of what he is. That is, what he lacks. A sense of separation from God is the only lack he really needs to correct. This sense of separation would never have occurred if he had not distorted his perception of truth and thus perceived himself as lacking. The concept of any sort of need hierarchy arose because, having made this fundamental error, he had already fragmented himself into levels with different needs. As he integrates, he becomes one, and his needs become one accordingly. Okay, coming right up. Here we go. Rolling down. Um, 
Okay, 92. Unified need produces unified action because it produces a lack of ambivalence. The concept of need of a need hierarchy, a corollary to the original error that man can be separated from God, requires correction at its own level before the error of perceiving levels at all can be corrected. Man cannot behave effectively while he operates at split levels. However, while he does, correction must be introduced from the bottom up. This is because he now operates in space where concepts such as, quote, up and, quote, down are meaningful. Ultimately, space is as meaningless as time. The concept is really one of space-time belief. Thank you, Jessica. That was very adept. Um, and Robin Marie. Ninety-three. Oh. Ninety-two. Unified need produces unified action because it produces a lack of ambivalence. The concept of a need hierarchy, a corollary to the original error that man can be separated from God, requires correction at its own level before the error of perceiving levels at all can be corrected. Man cannot behave effectively while he operates at split levels. However, while he does, correction must be introduced from the bottom up. This is because he now operates in space, where concepts such as quote-unquote up and quote-unquote down are meaningful. Ultimately, space is as meaningless as time. The concept is really one of space-time belief. 93. The physical world exists only because man can use it to con- to the physical world exists only because man can use it to correct his unbelief which placed him in it originally. He can never control the effects of fear himself because he made fear and believes in what he made. In attitude then, though not in content, He resembles his own creator, who has perfect faith in his creations because he created them. Belief in a creation produces its existence. That is why a man can believe in what no one else thinks is true. It is true for him because it was made by him. Thank you, Robin Murray. And Diana. 93. The physical world exists only because man can use it to correct his unbelief, which placed him in it originally. He can never control the effects of fear himself because he made fear and believes in what he made. In attitude, then, through 
though not in context, he resembles his own creator, who has perfect faith in his creation because he created them. Belief in creation produces its existence. That is why man can believe in what no one else thinks is true. It is true for him because he was made by him. Um, 94. Every aspect of fear produces an upside-down perception. The more truly creative devote their efforts to correcting perceptual distortions, the neurotic devotes his to compromise. The psycho, um, psychotic tries to escape by establishing the certain truth of his own errors. It is most difficult to free him by ordinary means because he is more consistent in his own denial of truth. The miracle, however, makes no distinctions. It corrects errors because they are errors. Thus, the next point to remember about miracles is... I'm complete. Thank you. Oh, wait a minute. Do I read another or am I done? I think I'm finished. Hello? I think you're finished. Excuse me. I'm on mute. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Talking way on mute over here. (laughs) Okay. Oh, do I read the next one? Number 94? Or I think I'm all confused. You read ninety three and ninety four when yeah, uh, but you, okay. but okay. Oh, do I do I read that ninth fifty two? If you'd like to read principle fifty two, go ahead. Okay, thank you. That's fine. Principle, thank you, Lamoine. Ninety five. Uh, principle fifty two. The miracle makes no distinction among degrees of misperception. It is a device for perception correction, effective quite apart from either the degree or the direction of the error. This is true indiscriminateness. Okay, I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Diana. And Harrison, would you like to read now from uh, 94? Sure. Every aspect of fear proceeds from upside-down perception. The more truly creative devote their efforts to correcting perceptual distortions. The neurotic devotes his to compromise. The psychotic tries to escape by establishing the certain truth of his own errors. It is most difficult to free him by ordinary means 
because he is more consistent in his own denial of truth. A miracle, however, makes no such distinctions. It corrects errors because they are errors. Thus, the next point to remember about miracles is 52. The miracle makes no distinction among degrees of misperception. It is a device for perception correction, effective by the part from either the degree or the direction of the error. This is its true indiscriminateness. Paragraph 96. Christ-controlled miracles are selective only in the sense that they are directed toward those who can use them for themselves. Since this makes it inevitable that they would extend them to others, a strong chain of atonement is welded. However, Christ's control takes no account at all of the magnitude of the miracle itself because the concept of size exists in a plane that is itself unreal. Since the miracle aims at restoring the awareness of reality, it would hardly be useful if it were bound by the laws which govern the error it aims to correct. Only man makes this kind of mistakes. It is an example of the foolish consistency which his own false beliefs have engendered. Thank you, Harrison. <clears throat> and uh, is there a new reader for paragraphs 96 and 97? I can do it, Karen. Please do. <clears throat> Christ-controlled miracles are selective only in the sense that they are directed towards those who can use them for themselves. Since this makes it inevitable that they will extend them to others, a strong change of, chain of atonement is welded. However, Christ's control takes no account at all 
of the magnitude of the miracle itself because the concept of size exists in a plane that is itself unreal. Since the miracle aims at restoring the awareness of reality, it would hardly be useful if it were bound by the laws which govern the error it aims to correct. Only man makes this kind of mistake. It is an example of the foolish consistency which his own false beliefs have engendered. 97. The power and strength of man's creative will must be understood before the real meaning of denial can be appreciated and relinquished. It is not mere negation. It is a positive miscreation. While the miscreation is necessarily believed in by its maker, it does not exist at all at the level of true creation. Thank you, Karen. And is there a new reader for uh, 9798? Another new reader for 9798? Okay, back to you, Laurie. 97. The power and strength of man's creative will must be understood before the real meaning of denial can be appreciated and relinquished. It is not mere negation. That is to say, denial is not mere negation. It is a positive miscreation. While the miscreation is necessarily believed in by its maker, it does not exist at all at the level of true creation. Miracle Principle 53. The miracle compares what man has made with the higher level creation, accepting what is in accord as true and rejecting the discordant as false. All aspects of fear are untrue because they do not exist at the higher creative level and therefore do not exist at all. To whatever extent a man is willing to submit his beliefs to this test, to that extent are perceptions corrected. Oh boy. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. And uh, Fran, would you read, uh, I think, just read through the 98 through the end? Okay. Miracle Principle 53. The miracle compares what man has made with the higher level creation, accepting what is in accord as true and rejecting the discordant as false. All aspects of fear are untrue because they do not exist at the higher creative level and therefore do not exist at all. To whatever extent a man is willing to submit his beliefs to this test, to that extent are perceptions corrected. In sorting out the false from the true, the miracle proceeds along the following lines. 
If perfect love casts out fear, and if fear exists, then there is not perfect love. But only perfect love really exists. If there is fear, it creates a state which does not exist. Believe this, and you will be free. Only God can establish this solution, and this faith is his gift. Thank you, Fran. And Jennifer, would you read the same? In conclusion? Principle 53. <laughs> oh. Yes. Oh, Principle 53. Okay, thank you. Um, Through the end. Okay. <laughs> I can do it. <laughs> All right. Uh, principle 53. The miracle compares what man has made with the higher level creation, accepting what is in accord as true and rejecting the the discordant as false. All aspects of fear are untrue because they do not exist at the higher creative level and therefore do not exist at all. To whatever extent a man is willing to submit his beliefs to this test, to that extent are perceptions corrected. 99. In sorting out the false from the true, the miracle proceeds along the following lines. If perfect love casts out fear, and if fear exists, then there is not perfect love, but only perfect love really exists. If there is fear, it creates a state which does not exist. (laughs) Believe this, and you will be free. Only God can establish this solution, and this faith is, capital H, his gift. Thank you, Jennifer. And we've reached the top of the hour, so I ask everyone to give their attention to Fran as she leads us in the lesson today, lesson 10. My thoughts do not mean anything. Please go ahead, Fran. Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the first part of the workbook. We have an introduction, and today we are on lesson 10. My thoughts do not mean anything. I'll read a paragraph from the introduction, then we'll go over to our lesson and do our five-minute practice. The purpose of these exercises is to train the mind to a different perception of everything in the world. The workbook is divided into two sections. The first, dealing with the undoing of what you see now, and the second, with the restoration of sight. It is recommended 
that each exercise be repeated several times a day, preferably in a different place each time, and if possible, in every situation in which you spend any long period of time. The purpose is to train the mind to generalize the lessons so that you will understand that each of them is as applicable to one situation as to another. The only rule that should be followed throughout is to practice the exercises with great specificity. Whatever your reactions to the ideas may be, use them. Nothing more than this is required. We'll go over to the lesson. Lesson 10. My thoughts do not mean anything. This idea applies to all the thoughts of which you are aware or become aware in the practice periods. The reason the idea is applicable to all of them is that they are not your real thoughts. We have made this distinction before and will again. You have no basis for comparison as yet. When you do, you will have no doubt that what you once believed or your thoughts did not mean anything. This is the second time we have used this kind of idea. The form is only slightly different. This time the idea is introduced with quote-unquote my thoughts instead of quote-unquote these thoughts. And no link is made overtly with the things around you. Now we are emphasizing that the presence of these thoughts means that you are not thinking. This is merely another way of repeating our earlier statement that your mind is really a blank. Close your eyes for these exercises and introduce them by repeating the idea for today quite slowly to yourself. Then add, this idea will help to release me from all that I now believe. In fact, if you find it helpful to do so, you might imagine that you're watching an oddly assorted procession going by, which has little, if any, personal meaning to you. As each one crosses your mind, say, this thought about blank does not mean anything. That thought about blank does not mean anything. Remember, however, to repeat the idea slowly before applying it specifically, and also to add, this idea will help to release me from all that I now believe. Lesson 10, my thoughts do not mean anything. Five minutes.
Now I'll read the paragraph from the review of the lesson. Lesson 10, my thoughts do not mean anything. I have no private thoughts, yet it is only private thoughts of which I am aware. What can these thoughts mean? They do not exist, and so they mean nothing. Yet my mind is part of creation and part of its creator. Would I not rather join the thinking of the universe than to obscure all that is really mine with my pitiful and meaningless private thoughts? Lesson 10. My thoughts do not mean anything. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Yeah, thank you, Fran. I just have a quick question about your reading, Fran. I've been reading every day out of my book, and there are parts that you skip. I'm just wondering, where are you reading? Because when I'm trying to track you in your reading, there are parts that you skip over and then down to other things. I don't read the whole thing because I don't want to take oh, all that see. time. So I just sort of analyze it and go through it and see what I think is important. And that's what I read. I see. Well, if, yeah. if it's okay but with think, you, I don't mind that you read the whole thing. I don't well, mind I Well, I think I've been reading enough from the introduction. So I no, think no, that I'm what I was going to do... Yeah, to the introduction. I'm just referring to the lesson as it was written itself for the day. Well, what I was going to say was I think I've read enough from the introduction, so I was going to start next week reading the whole lesson, if that's okay Oh, got it. Okay, perfect. Yeah. I just I yeah. would like to hear okay. the whole lesson be read. Thank you. Does everybody else want that, or is it too long? Um, I... I I really appreciate your um, sort of uh, picking out the parts, you know, but that's because I've already mm-hmm. read the lesson. So, mm, uh, you know, I, I, I'll defer to others, but I really like when you um, call it. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, I kind of like that too. But we can do the whole lesson if everybody else wants to. Up to you well, guys. If, if I'm part of that, everybody else, I like the way you do it, Fran. Um, oh, thank you. I, I suspect you're following your guidance, and that's the yeah. most important thing. God bless. Yeah, I thank agree. You. I, think, I think the way that you uh, pull out the most important parts is really helpful. But when I wasn't, when I hadn't done the lessons uh, multiple times in the past, I used to prepare by reading it before, you know, I would get on the call. So I might um, suggest that. I guess from my point of view, I appreciate what what you all are saying, but for somebody like myself that has a dyslexic mind, and or the people that are listening afterwards that don't know what you're talking about, it just makes sense that if a lesson in the book is written the way it's written, 
I think they, if they wanted to take certain parts out, they would have. I appreciate going through the book as it's written. That's my, that's my only, you know, that's my take. But if you guys are in agreement to do it that way, that's fine. I'm just talking about for somebody with a learning disorder or somebody listening that isn't aware of all of this, I think the whole lesson is important and needed the way it's written. That's just my intake. Oh, but I'm willing to absolutely, do what you want, Diana. So. Are and, you and here's the thing, hon. call prior. Go ahead, Karen. Yeah. I was just going to invite her, Diana, to do the lesson call because we do do it from beginning to end on the lesson call, and that's right before this call. So yeah. if you, if I, don't, you can, I don't know what you're talking about, Karen. Oh, I'm just, you know I'm what? just tuning in to this lesson. Yes. You bet. Yes. And, and Diana, um, mm-hmm. here's the thing. There are two separate calls. Uh, one okay. is the conference call on the text, which is the one that, that we're devoted to every morning when we join mm-hmm. at this time. Before this time, there's another call that is dedicated to the workbook where the lessons are. And it was mm-hmm. uh, understood from the beginning that, oh, yes, both the workbook and the text deserve our complete and entire attention. And it was too much to put into one call. So we divided mm-hmm. the calls. So before we start well, at this time, time of this start? call, mm-hmm. it starts about an hour and a half earlier on the same phone uh-huh. number with a different mm-hmm. code. Instead of I the see. code, uh, what do you put it, 974-635 for that mm-hmm. call, uh, tell me what time it begins, Eastern time, please. Someone? Eight. Starts at eight. Eight. Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock Eastern time. Five and for that call. One five zero seven 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 pounds. Perfect. And we read the whole lesson, so, and we have a meditation on it, and then we share. So come on, so you're that saying, one. Come on. Okay. Well, let me just make. We love you. Clear. Love to have you. Yeah, but this is also for everybody else listening. Just to repeat, that there is a prior call that explains Lesson 10 that we're on right now, or all the lessons that precede this or, or come to follow. Uh, at I am Central Time. So that time would be 6, I believe. And, and the pound number is 7777 pound, right? 777? One five zero seven 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 pound seven letters. One, I see one five zero seven 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 pound at eight o'clock right, central time. Right. Eight <laughs> o'clock. Mean, no, Eastern eight time. o'clock Eastern time. But if I'm in Austin, that'd be seven time, o'clock. What time would that be? Seven o'clock. Seven o'clock for you. Yep. Okay. Okay. Thank you, you guys. Go. Thank you. Thank you, you bet. Okay. You bet. Okay. You bet. We give it. We give the lesson just a a brief um, a brief overview so that we can pull mm-hmm. it into the text that we're reading. I see. So. Okay. Now it makes sense. That's, I didn't know that. You bet. So. Well, I'm glad okay, you asked. You. I'm so glad. Mm-hmm. You bet. Yeah. yeah. It was bothering me. Yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, oh, I can okay. start reading the whole. I can start reading 
I can start reading the whole lesson. I don't, it doesn't bother me. If well, everybody wants to, really, I don't, I don't it, mind it. It just you know. takes time. It just takes It time. will take a great deal. First yeah. time, when first we get yeah. into lessons. Okay, we'll stick with what time. we're doing. Let's stick with what we're doing. Yeah. I love the way you're doing it, Fran. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay, my thoughts do not mean anything. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Hi, <Perfect Karen>. timing. <laughs> that is <Right>. funny. <laughs> wow. Uh, I love to take the and and it's so hard for me once the sharing starts to keep to keep the clarity that comes right through. Um, so sometimes I hang up just to talk to God before I lose it. Um, I, my thoughts do not mean anything. I love the line in the Miracle Principles which said that the world is a positive miscreation. What does this mean? This means that God gave us creative force in our minds, that we share his creative potential. But when our minds are distorted, we're still creating. It's positive because it's still extending outward. That life force, that source energy, that potential to create is still extending outward. That's the positive aspect of it. But it's positively extending falsehood, <laughs> the falsehood of the ego world. That's why the world is a positive miscreation. And in the context of my thoughts do not mean anything. Um, the ego mind generates the miscreation, the positive miscreation. It's all it does constantly. And it's like this huge commentator on everything that's going on in, the, in, in my experience. And 90% or a portion, let's put it this way, some percentage of my experience, somebody's not muted, some percentage of my experience is also um, oh, shoot. See, told you I lose it. Some percentage of my experience is being generated from the ego mind. So even if I've deconstructed a lot of my ego mind, to some extent, my thoughts, you know, particularly the ones that are unconscious to me are still uh, commentating. That's the word I was wanting. My thoughts commentate on my experience. And that commentating is a falsehood. It's just a veil. And um, Jessica said earlier, it was subterfuge, that this curtain falls down over the real world, and I'm in this lost, positive miscreation of mind. Uh, telling myself stories, creating uh, associations between past reference points and the present experience. I'm analyzing the present experience. I'm judging it. I'm trying to uh, to figure out the future or plan the future or set up what's coming next. All of that, the Course is telling me, is the falsehood of my ego mind generated by fear, generated by conditioning, and, and um, it's not real. The real world is this reality that's clear. 
empty, spacious, unity. And it says that the number one falsehood is separation from God. We think we're separate. So therefore, because we think we're separate, we have quote-unquote needs. The ego has all these needs. And the whole uh, existence of the ego becomes directed towards satisfying and following up on all of those imaginary needs. Those needs are not even real because when we come back into our oneness with the Christ mind and the true self, we have no needs. Everything is perfect. The order is perfect. The level is perfect. We don't have to create. We don't have to plan. We don't have to judge. Um, I was sharing on the earlier call, and I really want to be respectful so that other people have a chance to share in case they need to go somewhere because that's a really big problem in my <laughs> ego mind. My issue is, you know, people share too long, and, and then you just have to wait or leave. But anyway, I just, just wanted to add that the, um, the ego mind interprets everything and tells stories all the time. The Course keeps telling us forgiveness is the answer. Yesterday, some, some things happened, and my ego wanted to interpret. And I kept saying, no, God, I give it to you, I give it to you, I give it to you. And I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't give my mind over to that ego insanity. And everything cleared away perfectly by itself. It was a test. That's temptation. Um, and I won't keep talking because I don't know how long I was talking, but I want to keep it shorter so that other people who have to go to work or whatever can share. I'm complete. Mm. Thank you so much, Karen. Boy, I enjoyed you, every Karen. single bit of that, Karen. Thank you so much. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. This is Jessica, and uh, I have to go in a minute. But I, I wanted to say, I wanted to say thank you to um, Lemoyne for uh, what I didn't understand at first about the reading from yesterday added to today. That was really a great idea. I feel like it just pulled it all together. So I so appreciate your reviewing the reading the day before and figuring out what to do to help us to really keep the pieces into one. And, you know, Lori, when you said after um, reading you said something like, oh, 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 Lord, or something like that. I don't know. I had the exact same reaction to, um, and I guess I'll just read that. I guess it's a paragraph maybe. Um, the power and strength of man's creative will must be understood before the real meaning of denial can be appreciated and relinquished. It is not mere negation. It is a positive miscreation. While the miscreation is necessarily believed in by its maker, it does not exist at all at the level of true creation. The miracle compares what man has made with the higher level creation. I mean, the miracle compares what man has made with the higher level creation, accepting what is in accord as true and rejecting the discordant as false. All aspects of fear are untrue because they do not exist at the higher creative level and therefore do not exist at all. To whatever extent a man is willing to submit his beliefs to this test, 
to that extent, our perceptions corrected. And I feel like that I wouldn't have completely been there if I hadn't read, again, those paragraphs from yesterday put together with today. So thank you, both Lori and Lemoyne. I am complete. Oh, my goodness, Amy. Yeah. Thank you, Jessica. Well, thank you, Jessica. That was perfect. Thank you, Jess. Thank you, Jessica. That was. Thanks, Jessica. Hi, this is Ida. I just want to let you know that I just joined, and uh, it's good to be with you all and hear you all. Thanks. I'm complete. Welcome, Ida. Hi, Ida. Glad you're here. Thanks. Me too. Robin, did you want to say? Hi. Um, sure, I'll share a little bit uh, before I hop out of the car. Um, I just had something pretty fun happen. I was feeling, oh, i got to go to the store this morning. I don't know why. And then I got a note from a text from a friend who also was a friend of my husband who passed away in 2015. And he said that the article about my husband um, is going to be in fretboard. It's and the magazines are coming on their way now. And I get a magazine, and so do each of my children. So I get four magazines talking about David Matlin and how he built Kate Wolf's guitar, and just uh, some really nice things about my husband who is not here on earth anymore so anyway i appreciate you guys have a good day oh thanks thank robin you. marie thanks for sharing oh, thank your wonderful you. news yes thank you i wish i had a husband that was it was a good relationship with me I don't know if that's going to happen. There's somebody I've been talking to, but he doesn't talk to me very often. I know he's a busy man, but we'll see what happens. I It's just a big question mark to me. Thanks for hearing me. Thank you. Keep your heart open. Just keep your heart open. Love you, Ida. Bye. Love you, too. Bye-bye. Thanks. I know I'm not too old. I'm only 66. My mom was a widow 20 years ago. Dad died. And then later on, when she was in her 80s, I think, she had a boyfriend for a while, somebody that had known. I was also a widower. And they'd all known each other before when they were both um, married with their partners, you know, for a few years until he died. So... I mean, I know it's all possible. Thanks.
Good morning, Anna. This is Jennifer. You know, like it says in the read today, remember who you are and anything's possible. Thank you, Jennifer. No, I missed that. Thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Keep that with you. I have everything, even though I don't have that right now, I have everything I need for my life right now. I have people to talk to. I have good food, good places to live, um, transportation, clothes to wear, people to talk to. Um, I have everything I need. Mm-hmm. I have you guys. That means a lot to me, too. You guys on the gals on the calls. Thank you. I'm complete. Oh, I'm so happy Thank for you. Great. And I think um, I'm really particularly grateful for your um, acknowledgement. I have everything I need. Um, in light of today's reading, that, my dear, is a very powerful acknowledgement. You know? Um, several things I wanted to uh, touch in today's reading. Um, but what strikes me most right now is the Holy Spirit just whispered in my ear, you think your understanding is an important component uh, for miracle working. <laughs> uh, and there is a quote to that effect. Um, I think my understanding is an important component. That's an error. And um, that's the main reason uh, we started where we did today. Uh, because paragraph 88 says something profound, profound in this whole discussion of miracle working. Unless, let me read it exactly. Unless you fully recognize your complete dependence on God, you cannot know the real power of the Son in his true relationship with the Father. In this true relationship with the Father, it's like he says in the paragraph about um, miracles are given to those who can use them for themselves because this guarantees that they will be extended. Uh, That's absolutely true. This um, strong chain of atonement is welded um, when anyone uh, recognizes uh, the truth of himself in a miraculous way. The great surprise, he says, nothing can compare with the great surprise of realizing who you are. Um, That uh, acceptance of the atonement is what guarantees the welding together of this strong chain of atonement because uh, it's the privilege of the forgiven to forgive it, uh, the privilege of the released who will release. This is... This is uh, God's great plan for salvation. Um, but anyway, yeah, back to my point. My point is I think my understanding is an important contribution and the ego, we're told later on, uh, finds it personally insulting that we don't understand. Uh, what's needful for me to understand is my complete dependence on the Father. That's what's needful. Um, 
and since this is a discussion of needs, um, uh, everything that we're given in this Course of Miracles uh, is a consequence of a response to a need. Uh, the great need for the celestial speed-up, the great need for uh, the atonement of the Son of God, the great need for uh, unity in the one mind that we all share. That's our great need. Is it necessary that I understand how that's achieved? No. No, no. I don't need to understand that. All I need to is understand um, what you pointed out, Karen, that denial Denial of truth. Denial of truth leads to positive miscreation. Positive miscreation. Denial of truth leads to positive miscreation. And in this discussion today, it is denial of truth, the denial of of God is here, God is present, God is with us, God is everything, God makes us safe, God is love, we are love. All of that denial leads to fear. And fear, uh, as you said, I take it was said in the, in the lesson call, so important, fear casts the pall, casts the veil, uh, brings, brings the curtain down so that I can't see the evidence of perfect love. It's denial that, um, so many lessons point out, um, creates this great cloud, this great cloud that um, causes the mind to feel like it has to rise up and, and to achieve something. In point of fact, in point of fact, our great need is to deny the denial. <laughs> it's my denial of truth that casts the veil. It's the denial of truth that makes this world a dream of terror. It's denial of truth that blinds me to the beauty of creation. It's denial of truth that blinds me to the fact that everything has the potential for holiness. Uh, and is in fact holy is denial of truth that prevents me from seeing the love that's always present. All of that denial is a positive miscreation. And um, and and in the um, in the dialogue, you might say, uh, at the Course in Miracles, there was a great dialogue uh, between Jesus and Helen and Bill, um, establishing the authority of, of these words and the reality of the consciousness that was giving them. Um, and, and in this dialogue, you know, uh, so many things were conveyed uh, to Helen and Bill, but among them, uh, two important things. Helen was plagued by denial and Bill was plagued by dissociation, the two great defenses that cast this veil. And it's why miracle working was woven so thoroughly into this dialogue because they needed to escape from the consequences of fear. And we have it, the culmination, the culmination of all that dialogue in Miracle Principle 53, is it? Yep, there it is right there. 
Miracle Principle 53. It's the great culmination, it's the great summary of all the Miracle Principles. When I recognize denial causes fear, denial of love leads to the crucifixion. Denial of love leads to my crucifixion, my belief and my own guilt. Denial of truth creates all of this, all of this cloud that keeps me from knowing who I am and the truth of creation. And he makes it real simple. Your positive miscreation made fear. You made it. But fear does not exist. Only perfect love exists. And so all I have to do is compare what I believe, the state that I'm in, with positive truth, with the truth of perfect love. The atonement is perfect love. And when I compare my state with perfect love, I need to recognize I made fear, and this I would undo. Because why? Because I am completely dependent on God. Just like he says in paragraph 88, now I can avail myself of the power given me as a son of God, power of perfect love. How about that? Um, it's the only need I have. And, uh, and my positive miscreations born out of denial of truth are what make the nightmare I think I see when I'm not grounded in uh, perfect alignment with my Father, which is accepting the atonement. I'm complete. Thank you very much. That was Thank so you, great. Lord. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lori. I love that. Thank you, Lori. That was absolutely perfect. Beautiful. Totally perfect. Absolutely. I just want to. I just want to give a nod uh, of acknowledgement and gratitude to Lemoyne for the great discussion we had yesterday that clarified this so well. Go ahead, Harrison. I'm begging your pardon. No problem. Uh, I appreciate you, Lori, um, referencing. Uh, the idea of understanding and um, I may have mentioned before the reference in the text um, that says you are still convinced your understanding is a power contribution to the truth and makes it what it is. Yet we have emphasized that you need understand nothing. Salvation is easy just because it has nothing that you cannot give right now. In 
quote. That's in chapter 18, uh, paragraph 39. Um, all he asks of me is a little willingness. Just a little willingness to suspend uh, my belief that I need to figure everything out. Uh, everything is already figured out for me. The difficult part for me is just stepping back and letting him lead the way and understanding what that means. I'm so used to being in control. I'm so used to solving what I perceive as my problems. Uh, I'm so used to achieving what I think I need to achieve. And what he says to me is, Harrison, you need do nothing. Just step back and let him lead the way. Get out of your head. Stop thinking. Let the Holy Spirit do the thinking for you. Just trust that He will guide you in the direction that you need to go. And for someone like me, who has relied on my dial, my, uh, my mind, my thinking, uh, to guide my life, to step back and let him lead the way as one of the lessons suggests, is a challenge. Um, my thoughts haven't made me happy. My thoughts haven't given me peace. So when he tells me to read and accept that my thoughts do not mean anything. I guess I'm ready to give that a try. <laughs> Nothing else has worked. I haven't solved all of the problems that I think I perceive. 
So if this idea that my thoughts do not mean anything will help to release me from all that I now believe. Am I willing to let go of all that I now believe? My thought about any belief does not mean anything because they're not my real thoughts. My thoughts about the political situation does not mean anything. My thoughts about what's going on in the world does not mean anything. My thoughts about my relationships or lack thereof do not mean anything. This thought will help to release me from all that I now believe. And what is causing me problems and what makes me unhappy are my thoughts. I'm complete. Thank you, Harrison. That was so beautiful. Oh, that was so beautiful, Harrison. Thank you so much. Just loved it. Mm-hmm. Stop it already, Harrison. Stop it. <laughs> Thank you, Harrison. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you, Harrison. Yeah. I, I'm in agreement, I think, with Lori. And um, when she had writ, wrote the sentence, that's the one that I underlined again, once again, you know, going through this book. When it comes down to page uh, uh, Miracle Principle 88, 88, or I'm sorry, uh, page 1388, except ye become as little children means that unless you are fully recognized your complete dependence on God, you cannot know the real power of the Son in his true relationship with the Father. And I tell you what, my ego mind, you know, it teeter-totters back and forth with that very concept. I am so in love with God. I love him more than anything. And when I rest and, and when I rest in, in that knowing, you know, in that dependence of him, then I can, when they come in, when my mind is not blank, and I realize that, wait a minute, I'm not in, and I'm not in no thinking right now. That's an opportunity for me at any given time during my day to sweep all incoming ego-based boxing thoughts when I'm ready to go to war 
that are not real because it's that's not of God and deliberately choose peace to replace and bless those thoughts that I have because we are all connected. You and me and everybody on this line, we are all connected in that oneness with Christ. And any other thought that comes up that I may have with anyone, that's an opportunity for me right now to realign those thoughts and bless those people. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. That is my brother. That is my sister. I'm looking at myself here. You know, and what can I do to restore this except to bless and pray for them? Okay, God, I'm not seeing them the way I should see them or feeling right now the way I should be feeling. Take this from me. And when I have my complete dependence on God, that's the miracle. I'm complete. That was just that was beautiful, great. Diana. Thank you for that. Thanks, Diana. That was great. Thank you. Yeah, I, I just when I was in the bathroom just now. I have thought a thought about someone, a negative thought about someone who's really done things that have said things that have bothered me in the past. And, uh, but I said to myself, you know, for the last for today, these thoughts do not mean anything. And I just swept the thought aside with that, with that positive, true thought. These thoughts do not mean anything. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you. Great job, Ida. Thank you. Thank you for reminding everyone. Thank you. I know that's a weight off your mind, Ida. Thank you. Hi, it's Karen. Um, Thank you. Fran, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but you shared this morning, and I could hear that again, if you remember. Um, you were saying that the emotions don't mean anything. I'm complete. Who are you asking? Fran? Sorry, still on the call. Okay. I'm sorry, I'm here. Did you call me? I was saying, it's Karen, I was saying that on the first call, the lesson call, you shared, and I really loved your share so much. I wondered if you remember what you said. Oh, yes, yes. I'm so, sorry, just now I was in the bathroom. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I'll share it. Thank you. We were ta- uh, Reverend Pam gave a um, sharing about peace. And um, I don't know if I shared this before, but a couple of weeks ago, I, had, I was in the middle of a bad situation that was very upsetting to me. And I kept thinking, do I want this to get resolved or do I want peace? And I kept coming up with, I want peace. I want the peace of God. And I said that to myself over and over again. And I heard what you're experiencing now are just emotions. 
And I thought, oh, right. That's right. The peace of God comes from the truth. So I felt this incredible sense of peace. And the situation got resolved. And uh, But the thing that made me, uh, I thought, I became aware of was the difference between peace and happiness. Happiness was about things working out the way you wanted them to. And that could change uh, the next day. But peace came from the truth, came from God and came from the truth. It was quite an awakening for me. Thank you for asking me to share that. I appreciate it. I'm complete. Well, it's a gift that you gave us, and thank you for giving it again. <laughs> thank you so oh, much. Oh, man. Thank you. I Katie. needed to hear it again. A perfect reflection of Miracle Principle 53. So, golly, Roger, thanks a lot, Fran. Wow, that's great. Thank you. 53, I'm going to go read it all again. <laughs> thank you. I've heard that since that whole thing happened. I've heard that over and over again. Fran, that's an emotion. That's just an emotion. You know, it's been very helpful. Let go. <laughs> Thank you, Harrison. Yeah. Hi, it's Karen. I'll just take a second. But I feel the same thing. I feel like sometimes I feel so triggered. And... I want to escape, so I leave the situation because I don't want to feel negative, and if I feel triggered, I feel negative, so I leave, but I don't think that's really the way to go, you know? It's like, could I stand in my strength and let these negative feelings pass through me and just observe them? Instead of trying to run away, I'm complete. Thank you. Oh, man, that's really powerful, Karen. Thank you, Karen. That reminds me, what what you're talking about, what Fran is talking about, um, puts me in mind of of something that happened this weekend. We were, um, we have a very dear friend who's another nurse, and... uh, and he unexpectedly wound up having triple bypass surgery. And um, he had ignored all of his symptoms for a long, long time because he thought it was arthritis. And he was talking about all the help he was getting with physical pain um, prior to this event. Anyway, he said, if you have a really intense pain in your body um, and you put your finger on it, and put your mind on it and hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. It dissipates all by itself um, because uh, that's the way awareness works. It's the same way with a problem. If I hold that problem in my awareness, I'm going to be able to maintain it because of the power of my awareness. But if I release it from my awareness by calling it something else, by asking for truth, um, whatever the case may be, of course, we're enjoined to ask for truth. Um, all of a sudden, the light of our awareness shifts in a real powerful way um, to correct perception. Uh, it flips. It literally flips. Um, 
I had the same experience this morning sitting in my chair and such intense pain in the hip and I, I get up and I think, okay, I, I must avoid putting weight on that hip. But uh, I got my cane out and all of a sudden the pain in my hip is gone. Why? Because the light of my awareness went to the cane <laughs> instead of the pain. Um, this is the power of the mind and its focus. It's the power of miracle working. It's the power of making a different choice. Uh, for truth, and it's it's uh, it's literally beyond uh, belief. So, uh, what a perfect illustration! Thank you very much, Karen. Uh, well, Karen and Fran, Harrison, you've all contributed to this idea. This morning, very grateful. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Love that about the cane. I'd leave mine all over the place. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Lori. This is the attempts to avoid that cause much discomfort. Fear, you know. Anyway, there you have it. I'm complete. Good point. Lemoyne, I sensed you were going to say something right before I butted in there. Oops, oops, I went backwards on the mute. Um, I kind of uh, butted in on you. <laughs> it's just to uh, thank Karen. Well, <clears throat> yeah, this has uh, <clears throat> been a wonderful discussion. And, yeah, that's kind of, it's kind of just how loaded the principle these principles are he does uh, I mean it's a great introduction in the sense that you can go almost anywhere in the course <clears throat> or go anywhere actually in the course from these and find uh, find them unfolding or being not elaborated but deepened and I really appreciate the focus on the little willingness and that chapter 18 what is chapter 18 of my browser is not cooperating great <laughs> it's gone blank <clears throat> where it uh, the uh, that willingness is expressed in the statement, I who am host to God is worthy of him. <clears throat> and that that is, you know, that that is uh, always, you know, a part, at least a fundamental part of the change of mind that the Course would create to release us into <clears throat> the truth and uh, and if you know if that is realized and given and in uh, complete forgiveness as it says there you know that in 89 
that the way to achieve peace is complete forgiveness. And and it also it also there turns immediately to the the necessary component of desire. You have to want it. You know, we if after decades of practiced miscreation, we kind of have to want something else because we can't really escape um, our <clears throat> our own creations without the desire for something that's closer to the truth. And, you know, the whole truth there is is in that complete forgiveness and willingness to really want it and have it and keep it by sharing it. So as we give it, we actually more fully receive it within. It just becomes, Lori, you know this better, it's like easy and natural as breathing. I mean, it can be that way. But I get it. At first, it's like... It's it can be a, a a feeling of being split in 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 doing um, and not doing but just being holding on to that little willingness to be forgiving in the face of all that we've judged before. And so, you know, I would, I, uh, <laughs> I appreciate the way you do try to um, hit the important points in doing the lesson, Fran. Um, uh, here at the beginning, with these initial lessons, and now that you're ready to <clears throat> move beyond reviewing the introduction, I'm fine with you reading the whole lesson. And I'd like to put in a request now that you read all of 20. <laughs> but, um, you know, that, that second line today, where it says, this idea will help me release everything I believe. You know, I think it's fine to release everything I believe, about good or bad, because what is real will can will just come back as truth and not require effort to believe so much if the willingness and the desire are aligned with the truth of what life is. And, uh, yeah, but I, I just just to emphasize this point that I really appreciate you emphasizing that second thought because the lesson itself, my thoughts do not mean anything, <coughs> could lead me, will, you know, very easily lead me back into... Uh, just judging myself. Let the cat out there. Okay. 
And uh, that's not the point here. <laughs> that's what we need to escape. I, okay, I think I, I'm being instructed to offer the, a beautiful, simple explanation in, from a course of love that uh, helps with this thing of emotional reaction. That emotions are reactions to feeling. And, uh, you know, um, I would add right here that it's based on our prejudice, what we've already judged. It determines a lot of our emotional reaction. <clears throat> but the clarifying thought is that um, you have no feelings that are bad. All feelings are feelings of love. It doesn't say it directly, I don't think, in the course of love, but, you know, feelings feelings of love are either feeling love or feeling a lack of love. And the lack of love comes from an inability to receive and the recognizing that there is... There is sufficient love to heal all wounds, but uh, it's a, it's our judgments and withholding because of a lack of forgiveness that interrupts that healing that could otherwise occur. So, um, no. The miracle is not <laughs> trying to get this distinction to come out properly. But I think, you know, and I think that's enough to just recognize that an emotional reaction, it is in the, in the realm of, uh, it's a private thought. And that is where this thing of, my thoughts do not mean anything in the summary goes. I have no private thoughts. Yet it is only private thoughts of which I am aware. <clears throat> and I think this comes from the belief in separation. We believe we have to figure it out and we make judgments to, on the basis of that. And that that's all based on a misperception of what life is. That life is a gift. It's all a gift. And it doesn't appear as a gift. It's a lesson or, or a call to escape our own misperception that lessons poorly learned and that we build up into emotional... Um, inertia and uh, I use inertia in both the both the meanings it's like a creating a mass that is hard to move or once moving is hard to stop this is inertia and uh, you know it is complete forgiveness 
that allows the peace that is already there to be perceived and be experienced. And uh, anyway, I'll stop there. I'm complete. Love y'all. Oh, thank you, Lamar. Uh, you pulled that thank all you. those threads together so well. Thank you. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, Lemoyne, I needed to hear that. That was so clear and so well received. Thank you. Well, thank you. And uh, thanks to all who've been here this morning. It's wonderful shares on the completion of the principles and uh, I'll end the recording here but we won't end the call so on we go